not only through the singing of our songs, but Lord, through the teaching of your word. And Lord, I'm so excited to celebrate with my brothers and sisters who will be following you in believers' baptism today. I pray that it would be a special time of celebration for them and for their families and a significant day in the life of our church. So now, Lord, as we turn our attention to your word, I pray, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts by the power of your Holy Spirit. And it's in Christ's name that I pray. Amen. Please be seated. Have you ever been on a roller coaster? I used to really enjoy roller coasters. In fact, I've been on the Beast in Kings Island, Ohio, which is the longest wood roller coaster in the world. It was it was incredible. But you know what? Sometimes life seems like a roller coaster. It's good and then it's bad and then it's good and then it's bad and then it's good and well, you get the picture. I wonder if life wasn't like that for Abraham. You see, When God called Abraham, he first told him to just pack up everything and head on out and that he would tell him when to stop. And that's exactly what Abraham did. Well, along the way, Abraham and Lot parted ways. Lot was Abraham's adopted son after Lot's dad died. So it was a tough thing. Well, then God makes a covenant with Abraham and he says, Abraham, I am going to bring about a great people through you. So Abraham's like, great. And then no children, no children, no children. And so Abraham takes things into his own hands. Well, that's a whole nother story. But then finally, Abraham and his wife, Sarah, have a son. And when he does finally have that son, God asks him to do a very strange thing. God tells Abraham, Abraham, I want you to take your son, Isaac, and I want you to sacrifice him. You're one and only son. And Abraham obeyed. And today, as we see as clearly as we ever do, in this story, is the scarlet thread. You didn't know we were that fast around here, did you? We just videotaped that this morning in my office. and No, not really. I uh, just wore the same shirt. Uh, I want to thank Pastor Stefan for stepping in for me last week. He wasn't actually on the schedule to preach last week until Wednesday morning. Um, and he mentioned it just briefly, ever so slightly last week at the beginning of his sermon. To be nice, he just sort of made a short joke of it. Um, I would only make short jokes about him, though. Um, <laughs> He said something about pulling on my snow boots. And, and actually, on Tuesday morning, I was getting all excited to go out and start the snowblower and start shoveling snow. And I bent over in the garage to pull on my snow boot, and I pulled, and then something pulled in my back. And I ended up laying on the floor for 10 minutes in the garage. Finally got into the house, and it was miserable for the next two or three days. And I, I, there was just no way I could stand up here. So I want to thank Pastor Stefan for stepping in last week. It was a great message um, I thought he did a wonderful, wonderful job. Um, but but I, will, I, I do need to, to sort of criticize him a little bit um, for his comments about the title that I had for the message. 
I mean, he said the, the title from last week's message was a title of a bad 90s movie. <laughs> Hope floats, right? I thought it, we thought it was a great, I thought it was a great message. So I, I thought, you know, he's not going to complain about this week's title. So I went for an epic movie of 2012, and I called it The Unexpected Journey. Right? Although that's, that's an unexpected journey, right? Um, although this sermon isn't about Bilbo Baggins or Gandalf. Um, but Stefan said, well, wow, where did you get that title, right? Um, well, actually, truth be told, I got the title as I was thinking about your life and as, as I was thinking about mine. You know, because all, all through our lives, we, we have times where we uh, have this unexpected thing happen in the course of the journey that we're on. And we're going to talk about a man today who is on an incredible journey of his life. And all along that journey, he had like all of these little side journeys. And that's exactly like your life is. And that's exactly like my life is. It's a process. You know, in, in our journeys, there's, there's, there's struggle, there's fun, it's exciting, it can be scary. Some journeys, um, in those periods of time, we wonder if we are even going to survive. Uh, we, we wonder those questions. Um, some journeys, we're excited to continue. Um, I, I said in that trailer there that, that I used to like to ride roller coasters, loved roller coasters. Um, until about 10 or 15 years ago, I think it was probably about 10 years ago, Sarah and I um, drove a bus to Elitch's for another youth group, and, and it was a September day, and it was a Saturday, and it was kind of rainy, and there was nobody there. And we were really excited, and we, as soon as we got in the gate, we went to the first big roller coaster, and we rode it twice. We went to the next roller coaster, no line, got on it, rode it twice, and went to the other one, and after six straight rides on the roller coaster, we were both about as green as the shirt that I have on, and I was sick the rest of the day, and I haven't been on one since. You know, there are times in our journeys of life that we feel like that. You know, it's up and down, up and down, up and down. We wonder if we can continue to go on. Think, think about your life. Um, think about your life right now. You may be on an unexpected journey right now. Um, maybe you just finished one. Maybe you're looking off onto the horizon and, and you're kind of seeing that there might be something out there that's unexpected for you. You're, you're excited, you're apprehensive, you're afraid, you're nervous. Well, there are emotional journeys and physical journeys and there are literal geographic journeys. And we're going to see that Abraham took all of those this morning. And I want us to get this, the overarching aspect of all of our journeys is that we journey in the midst of a spiritual journey as well, um, in which the scarlet thread runs through. The scarlet thread runs through your journey and my journey. You see, God is moving and shaking and testing and blessing us all along the way. He's opening doors. He's closing doors. And, and I, for one, am so glad that He's in charge and I am not. Are you? Are you glad that He's in charge and you are not? Are you glad that He cares for you? Well, that's what the message is about today. You see, I think what we're going to find today is that we are a lot more like Abraham than we think. And we often hold Abraham high, and we think of a lot of things um, that he is, and we're going to see some things that he is similar to you and to me that maybe we hadn't thought of in a while. And ultimately, Abraham looked at the Lord God as his king. He is our Lord. He is the ruler of our lives. We submit to Him no matter what. 
Um, we need to obey Him even when it's not convenient for us or even when we don't understand uh, completely what it is He's asking us to do. We don't, we don't see the end, but we know that He's told us to take this next step. And ultimately, the best thing for you and for, I, and for me is to just say, Okay, Lord, here I am. Here I am. We must put Jesus Christ in charge of our journeys. Now, some of the journeys that we're on are journeys that are caused by the decisions of other people. Some of the journeys that we are on are, are, are literal testings of God. He's, he's seeking to test us, and He wants to try us by fire, and He wants to mold us, and He wants to shape us. Some of the journeys that we live in our lives are because of extremely poor decisions that we've made, because of our stubbornness, or our pride, or our immaturity. Remember what we inherited from Adam from the very beginning? We make choices that are disobedient. We choose to live immorally. We choose to have bad attitudes. We choose to be prideful or to ignore the law. Those decisions can often be the first step on a journey of destruction in our life. Many of you know those journeys. Most of us know one of those journeys because we've lived through it. And, and, and here's the good news for us today. You're, you're thinking, oh, I don't know, Pastor Dave, I don't like where this sermon is going. Here's the thing. Abraham's journey was just like yours and just like mine. He was more like you and me than we realize. You see, God called and Abraham responded and God calls us too. So how are we going to respond? How are we going to respond to God's call in our life? Well, first, I want to put some context to, to our thread this morning. Um, we have up here... Uh, from the very beginning, creation, for those of you that haven't been with us, Jesus, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, God, has lived infinitely. He's, he's ne he have, never had a beginning, and He'll never have an end. He has always been. At some point in time, He created. He created everything. He created Adam. He created Eve. They chose poorly, the first worst decision. They sinned. And, and, and there are people out there who have put dates on this right here. I'm unwilling to do that. I think there's just not enough information to make it for sure. It doesn't matter. The, the point is that God did it, period, end of story. How He did it, I don't know. Then, then Pastor Stephan last week talked about Noah and the big boat and the flood and the promise of God to never judge us with rain again. And the fact that it really wasn't a do-over, it was God's grace and mercy that He was showing and how He saved Noah and his family. And, and I also talked about a couple weeks ago how I, me personally, tend to, to put biblical history kind of in a vacuum over here on this line and then secular history in a separate place on the timeline. And what I've found as I've been studying this and you might be going, well, no duh, Pastor Dave, I already knew that. Well, great, you are a greater scholar than I, if that's true. But um, what I have found is that there are lots of things in our secular history that coincide and run right along parallel with biblical history. And as we go through this series, we're going to be talking about that as this is um, just week three of a, an eight-week series. All right, so in 2500 B.C., this is the the latest or earliest date that, that they're able to tell um, in our secular history with artifacts and that sort of thing. In 2500 B.C., uh, we find the invention of papyrus and ink and libraries. I don't really get the libraries thing, but um, they did build those back then. 
Um, I went to the University of Wyoming for three years before I stepped foot into the library. Um, I eventually did. Um, in 2300 BC, we have horses being domesticated in Egypt. We have chickens being domesticated in Babylon. That's so that you could, you know, I don't know, just call your food, I guess. And, and then um, also bows and arrows become uh, an artifact of, of truth or they become, they're invented in 2300 BC. And then in 2166, Abraham is born. And that's who we're going to be talking about today. And then, 100 years later, after Abraham is born, Isaac is born in 2066 B.C. All right, so that kind of gives us a a brief look at where that fits on the timeline. And uh, now we're going to continue um, to look at the message. All right, so turn to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12. Here's the third week, and we're only to chapter 12. Um, we will make leaps and bounds in the coming weeks, trust me. But um, as we only look at eight stories, eight events from the Old Testament. And the first thing I want to just point out really briefly, the, the video actually introduced a lot of this, uh, uh, is Abraham's journeys. The journeys that Abraham had in his life. If you look at Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 right there, this is the beginning of Abraham's great adventure. It says in Genesis 12, verse 1, The Lord had said to Abram, Leave your country, your people, and your father's household and go to the land I will show you. Has that ever happened to you? Has God ever said, Just pack up everything and head west and I'll tell you when to stop? That's essentially what God said. And what did Abraham do? That's exactly what he did. Um, If you look at chapter 12, verse 10, we see another part of Abraham's journey. Um, they, They take some time and they go into Egypt. Because there was a famine in the land. And they wanted to, uh, he wanted to provide for his family and those that were traveling with him. So he went to Egypt. And then if you turn over to Genesis chapter 15, I'm going to read verses 1 through 6. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, O sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus? And Abram said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my very heir. When the word of the Lord came to him, this man will not be your heir, but a son coming from your own body will be your heir. He took him outside and said, Look up to the heavens. And count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. Abraham believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. God said and Abraham agreed. Abraham believed. He trusted. He had faith that God was going to do what he said he would do. And and all throughout um, Genesis chapter 12 through Genesis chapter 22, we see Abraham's journey filled with many smaller little journeys. Some of them vacations, others not so much. But what was Abraham's level of obedience in his relationship with God? Well, he was faithful. Point number two is Abraham's faithfulness. Abraham was faithful to God. If you look at um, what is Abraham's response in, uh, in chapter 12, I need to keep my finger in this place. Abraham's response to God when God said, 
pack up and leave your native land, leave your home, leave your father, leave everything that you've known for your entire life up to this point, and head west, and I will tell you when to stop. And Abram does what? Verse 4. So Abram left as the Lord had told him. Complete obedience. Complete faith that God was going to do what he said he was going to do. And, and he had trust even though he didn't know what was going to happen in the end. God just said, go. And Abraham did. Abraham was faithful. And then God changes Abram's name to Abraham. Uh, that occurs in Genesis chapter 17. And in verse 2, God says, I will greatly increase your numbers. Uh, the New Living Translation translates that verse. It says, I will make a covenant with you by which I will guarantee to give you countless descendants. Abraham, what I'm telling you, it is, it is a for sure thing. This is going to happen. I am God. You are not. I have said this. It will happen. And at that moment in time, Abraham was in agreement and he believed. Well, we know, and I'm going to talk about it here shortly, but there was some struggle when it comes to that promise in the life of Abraham and Sarah. Well, then in, verse, in chapter 17, um, further down there, you see that God gives Abraham another command. He says, all right, Abraham, in order to seal this covenant, here's what I want you to do. I want you to circumcise all of the men and boys in your tribe or in your group. And then it says, he obeyed. He did it. Um, if, you look on, if you look in that chapter, I mean, we really need to kind of get a feel for the pain of what these men went through. Yeah. Verse 24 of chapter 17. Abraham was 99 years old when he was circumcised. Okay? It doesn't say that he complained. It doesn't say that he said, God, what are you thinking? Why do you want us to do this? It just says that he did it. He obeyed. God said, circumcise the men and boys, and Abraham did it. He said, all right, I will. Every male in Abraham's household, including those born or bought from a foreigner, were circumcised along with him. God said, and Abraham did. Now, that's how I want to live my life. Um, that's how God wants all of us to live our lives. He wants to say and He wants us to do. In fact, that's the best thing that we could do. But then that begs the question, but have you? Have you lived your life a 10 out of 10, 100% obedient to God every day thus far? No, you haven't. Um, as I've thought about that, I tried to think of some things that I've done wrong in my past and I couldn't really come up with any. <laughs> yeah, see, none of us are perfect. Uh, we all make mistakes. We all fail. And those failures have consequences. See, here's the good thing about our look at Abraham today. Abraham struggled as well. Yeah, we just looked at how he was faithful and how he did everything that God called him to do. Now I want us to take a, look, a quick look at point number three in your notes, Abraham's unfaithfulness. Because we look at Abraham's faith and we think, wow, I, I would only dream that, that I could hope to, to just obey without questions that, of things that God would ask me to do. Well, in Genesis chapter 12, um, he lied in Egypt about who his wife was. He said she was his sister. 
Why? To save his own skin. He was afraid of the Pharaoh. He didn't want to tell the truth, so he lied about that. He lacked the faith that God would take care of him in the midst of the famine in the land. Okay, this is early on in Abraham's walk with the Lord, in his journey. He's still on the journey to wherever God is going to tell him to stop. And I would ask you, have you ever lied to save your own skin? Have you ever lacked the faith that God would take care of your family? You see, you are just like Abraham, if you have. Abraham did that. In chapter 16, Abraham and Sarah's patience ran out. This is one of the more familiar events that we recognize when we think of Abraham and Sarah. Just couldn't wait any longer. God, I know you said... I know, and, and they didn't ask God. They just did it. Right? It's like, I know God said this, and I know He was going to do this, but since I want to take things into my own hands, I'm going to just do what I think will, will fix this situation without asking God if that's what I should do. I'm just going to do it. Because it's, it's easier to ask for forgiveness than it is permission. We think that way. And then we see, and I'm thinking, I don't know, if my wife said this to me, I'd be like, what? You want me to sleep with your servant? It doesn't even sound right. That's what they did. Sarah said, well, you should have a child through, um, through my servant and, and that will be the son that, in, that, that God does his work. That's not what God had planned. Have you ever taken life into your own hands? Have you ever done anything disobediently on purpose that you knew in your heart of hearts that God didn't want you to do? Abraham did. Abraham did that. They lacked the faith. They thought, man, our age, we're, we're just getting too old. It ain't going to happen. God's not going to do what he said he was going to do. Wrong thought. God always does what he says he's going to do. In Genesis chapter 17, God comes again to Abraham and says, Abraham, in the next year, I'm going to give you a son and you're going to call him Isaac. And what does Abraham do? He lays down on the ground and he laughs. He laughs because he thinks it's hilarious. I'm a, almost a hundred years old. God, are you kidding me? God said, no, not really. Abraham, I'm going to do it. I'm going to give you a son. You and your wife are going to have a son. Think about this. The father of many nations, handpicked by God, righteous before God, yet human, just like you and just like me, he made the same kinds of mistakes. He made the same kinds of mistakes. In chapter 20, Abraham deceives the king for a second time. You'd think he would have learned the first time, but no, he goes off and does it again. Lies to another king. Now, as we continue to look at Abraham's life, what happens next? What happens next? They have Isaac. Isaac is born. God does what he said he was going to do. Abraham is a hundred years old. They have Isaac. God is visibly working. They can see it now. Abraham's like, oh, God, if I'd only had the faith that I could have had, but now I know. Abraham knows that God is a powerful God and that he will do what he has promised to do. And I can't help but think that Abraham was kind of thinking, you know what? Ah, the journey is over. Life is going to be easy now. 
I have my faith in God. He knows that I trust Him and that I believe in Him and that I'm going to follow Him no matter what. And then what happens? Holy cow. The unexpected journey happens. This had to have hit Abraham like a slap in the face. He did not see this coming. Look at, uh, turn to Genesis chapter 22. Genesis chapter 22, and I'm going to begin reading in verse 1. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. Two weeks ago, we talked about the, the fact that God tests us. He does. He tests us. That's different than tempting. He tests us unto faith, unto righteousness, to see us succeed, to see us grow. God said to Abraham, Here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. Now, those words there are significant. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love. and go sacrifice him. Can you imagine initially what Abraham must have been thinking? How devastating. But God tests us from the beginning of the Bible to the end and on. Because our walk with God is a journey. It's a process. And we're all in different places in that process. Maybe, you, maybe you're a new Christ follower here this morning and you're like Abraham when God first told him to go. Maybe you're further on down the line. Maybe you're somebody who if God said what He told Abraham, you would respond in the same way that Abraham did because does he pass the test? Look at verse 3. Early the next morning. Abraham didn't think to himself, oh Lord, you know, I think I should pray about this. I think I should think, I think you should, you should rethink this. God, is this really what you want me to do? No, it says, early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. On the third day, it's a 50-mile trip from where they were to this mountain in Moriah. Man, I would be talking myself out of it the whole way. I would be coming up with every rationalization that I could think of as to why this wasn't a good idea and why God is either wrong or I mis must have misheard Him. But there is no doubt that Abraham speaks with God and hears directly from Him and knows exactly that this is a word from the Lord. Verse 5, he said to his servants, Stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Can you imagine? This is his only son. The promised son from God. And he keeps on some wood on his back. Verse 6, Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he carried, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. Now, think about this. As we're talking about the scarlet thread and what you know about the end story, as you think about what's happening here, 
Isaac is, or Abraham is going to sacrifice his one and only son, whom he loves. Isaac carries the wood up the mountain for the sacrifice himself. And as the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied, the fire and wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Now, I don't know if Isaac knew what was going on or if he kind of had it figured out. He's kind of thinking, Dad really hasn't been talking a lot. That's not very good. But Abraham answered him with this, God himself will provide. The lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And if you could get in a time machine and you could go from that moment in time to that moment in time down there, it would look exactly the same. It would look exactly the same. Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. God himself will provide. God has asked Abraham to make the ultimate sacrifice, to sacrifice the most important thing to him, his son, his child. But he doesn't even question it. He just does it. Because he believes that God knows what he's doing. He's that mature in his walk with God, and that is what God has set before you and before me to mature us in the process of our journey of life to the point where we don't even question. He says, jump, we say, how high? And then in verse 9, it says, when they reached the place God had told him about Abram, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and he took the knife to slay his son. No hesitation, no doubt, no kind of thinking, well, okay, God, you can kind of stop me now. You can stop me now. You can... No, he was just doing what God had told him to do. And he raises the knife to sacrifice his son. And in verse 11, but the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. And what is his response? Here I am. Every time his response is, here I am, Lord. Here I am. I'm available. Tell me what to do. I am your servant. Here I am. Oh, Oh, for, for all of us to be in that place in our journey with him to where we say, here I am, Lord. Here I Africa, okay. Here I am. Send me there. Get me there. I'm going. You want me to take another job in another town? All right. I'm, I'm there, Lord. Here I am. Whatever. Whatever. Verse 12, do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Now, I, I just, just this second thought of a question that I want to ask myself, and it's this. Did God not know already that Abraham feared him and that he was going to do what he said he was going to do? You know, there are those moments in time in your life and in mine when the test is not as much about God wondering if we can pass the test, but the test is for us to know and to learn and to grow in our faith and find out that God is who He says He is. 
I mean, Abraham at that very moment, there was no doubt from then on of his faith. He knew completely, oh, for us to get to that point. Abraham, you have passed the test. You've failed tests before. And all of us in this room, we've failed tests before, and that's what I want you to think about as you think about the story of Abraham and the journey of his life. Because Satan would want you to get discouraged and give up and and lose your faith and lose the trust that you had in God at one time. But no, God will not give up on you. He did not give up on Abraham. All through his lying, all through his not trusting and sleeping with his servant, all through that, God was still with him and still growing him and fashioning him and testing him. God loves us so much. Abraham looked up, verse 13, and there in a thicket he saw a ram caught up by its horns. He went over and he looked. He took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. You see, that son is us. Isaac is us. We deserve to die. Because of our sin and our disobedience and our failures, we deserve to be in that place. But God says, no, you know what? I'm going to provide another sacrifice. In this case, he provided a ram. In our case, he provided the lamb of God who was slain for you and for me. Oh, what what great news that is. What great love he has for us. He provided the sacrifice. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide, and to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. He knew God was trustworthy. He knew God was going to provide a way. You know, in fact, I think Abraham knew it from the very beginning. He knew God was going to work in this somehow, that he was going to have his son after that day. Look back at verse 5. Somebody pointed this out to me yesterday as we were talking about this. Look at verse 5. He said to his servants, Stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. We will come back to you. I don't know what God's going to do, but I'm going to walk off this mountain with my son in one way or another. Because God promised me. God promised me. that, That I would be the father of many nations and in that promise was the fact that he would have a son And that would be the beginning of it. God trusted. The Lord will provide. The Lord will provide. If if you're struggling, if you're in one of those failure aspects of a journey, you need to have hope and you need to know that God has not given up on you. And ultimately, when we think of our lives spiritually and the sin problem that we have, God provides the substitute. He provided the substitute for you and for me in His Son, Jesus Christ. Now, in that second look video for this week in the discussion, Ty talks about the beginning of the sacrificial system and how that kind of came about. And I think it's a good, I think it's an important one for you. Well, I think they're all important for you to watch, to continue to fill in the gaps that we're leaving as we move through this series. So I want to encourage you once again to watch that second look. And now, um, point five is this. God is for us no matter the journey. God is for us no matter the journey. Turn to Romans 
Well, don't turn to Romans. It's going to be up here on the screen. Romans chapter 8. And I'm just going to do this real quick. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. As Christ followers, we know that He's going to work it to good. If you're in this room and you feel like a failure because of something you've done, you need to know that God is going to work good out of that. He's going to take your failure and He's going to work good out of that. He's going to take your successes and and our passing of tests, tests and He's going to glorify Himself out of that. All things God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. And then we go down and Paul asks these five questions and he answers them. What things do we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for all of us, how will He not also along with Him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those who God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or, so- or sword? Listen to this. John Stott explains these this way. He says this. They are, these verses are all about the kind of God we believe in. Together they affirm that absolutely nothing can frustrate God's purpose since He is for us, or quench His generosity since He has not spared His Son, or accuse or condemn those who are saved since He has justified them through Christ, or separate us from His love since He has revealed it in Christ through all time and to the end. The scarlet thread. And then Paul outlines five convictions about God's promise, providence, And five affirmations and five questions about his love, which together bring us 15 assurances about him. And then Paul says this in verse 38. He says, for I am convinced. Do you think Abraham was convinced after God did what he did on that mountain? You bet he was. And I have had things occur in my life that I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels or demons nor the present nor the future nor any powers, height or depth, anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. If you feel like a failure, if you feel like you've succeeded, no matter where you feel like you are on your journey of life, we can look at Abraham's life and we can know that God continues to work all through that. Don't give up. Repent, refocus, recognize that there is nothing that can separate you from the love of God. Nothing. Abraham trusted God as he journeyed through life even in that unexpected one. And you and I can trust in God as we continue in the journey of our life, even the unexpected ones. Here I am, Lord. Here I am, Lord. Here I am, Lord. And the scarlet thread continues. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for this morning. and God, I pray that it might be true. I I pray that we might leave here encouraged and and knowing the truth and the fact that you are patient. We have seen this over and over and over, even in just the last three weeks, 
And God, I pray that we would not see these, these men that we've been looking at this last three weeks as some just stories or fables or, or whatever, Lord. They are true historical events that have occurred and we can look at those and we can see how you work. And we've seen how you've been seeking to redeem us from, from that first worst decision. And Lord, I pray that in all of this we would recognize that you are Lord. You are God. And that our attitude would be, here I am, Lord. Here I am, Lord. Test me. Teach me. Grow me. And help me to surrender. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, the ushers are going to come forward and take our morning offering. And if you're our guest here, please let the plate pass by. This is a time for those who call North Hills their home to support our ministry here and around the world. And, uh, I would invite you to, to drop those connect cards in the offering plate as it goes by, though. And uh, we're going to prepare for our, our baptism here in just a few moments. But let's, uh, let's stand to our feet and sing this song of worship. Would you